right, guys, we're going to get into the scripture text today. We're going to finish today. <laughs> I promise you. Our series on changing commitment to change. And we've been talking about it and been delving into and asking the question, have you lost your mind? Uh, and again, we're talking about it from a positive sense, from a positive connotation, not a negative connotation. Because I had some interaction, guys, with a, a couple of, well, give her do some traveling, and I had some interaction with a rental car company and an airline company. And when I got on the phone, I, I, I thought to myself, these folks have lost their mind. <laughs> do you not know that they make it very difficult to try to find a number to call them? I mean, you got to search all the world over on that website to, to find a number. And when you do find a number, you, you call it, uh, I called a rental car place, and then they told me uh, it'll be 17 hours before somebody called me back. They told me, that they, they, and they encouraged me to go to the website and do what I need to do. And they said that if you do talk to a person, they're going to add 5% to the cost of your vehicle rental. And you know what I said to myself? They have lost their mind. I'm going to pay you more just to talk to you. So there's a whole lot of stuff going on. But guys, we're not talking about have you lost your mind from a negative standpoint. We're talking about have you lost your mind from a positive standpoint because we want to lose our mind and gain the mind of Christ. Remember, our base scripture was from Philippians 2 and 5. It says, let this mind be in you that was also what? In Christ Jesus. And, we, and he went on, Paul, later on and talked about the mind of Christ and what the kind of mind he had because he left, amen, the, the privileges of glory uh, sitting on the right hand of the Father and came down to be born in a manger in Bethlehem so that he could redeem mankind. What an awesome Savior we have, guys. But I got, I got news for you. One of the things, I, and someone sent, the, sent this article to, to me, uh, and, I, and I read it and I said, that's the problem. See, too many of us as believers have not lost our mind, and we're still allowing our cultural upbringing, our family of origin influences. We're allowing what people have told us, our past experiences, to, to color our viewpoint. Listen to what they said. Now, this, uh, this, the Barner Group, who does a lot of different uh, religious studies, uh, did, a, did a survey here just recently. Uh, and in that survey, they found that only 6% of American adults have what we call a biblical worldview. Now, when I say a biblical worldview, that means that you look at life through the tenets of the Holy Scripture. You evaluate situations. You deal with people based off of what the Word of God says. Only 6% have a biblical worldview. Now, now check this out, though. Uh, of, 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 of the, there were 51% that said they had a biblical worldview. 51% that said they had a biblical worldview, but when they start asking questions to uncover what, you know, what, what, really means, what it means to have a worldview, they answered the questions wrong. Listen to just one of them. Here, here, here's what he said. Uh, it says uh, that uh, the data found, among other things, that while 51% of American adults said they have a biblical worldview, only 6% of adults actually hold this worldview. And the way they discovered it was by asking the question. For example... Of that 51% that said they had a biblical worldview, 49% said, listen to this, that reincarnation was a possibility after they died. These are, these are professed believers 
saying that, you know what reincarnation means? That you, when you die, you come back as a cow. Or you come back as an animal. You come back as something else. Where in the Bible do you find reincarnation? Baby, let me tell you something. I've searched the world over and I've searched the Bible and you will not find reincarnation in there. Now, we will, when we die, the Bible does say the dead in Christ will rise first and then we which are alive in man will be caught up together in the clouds to meet the Lord where? In the air and so shall we ever be with the Lord. But that's not reincarnation. Because the moment that you die as a believer, the Bible says to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. So when I die physically, then my spirit man goes to be with Jesus. This body goes back to the mother earth, and then when Jesus comes back, I'm coming back with him, and then my, my, this body that's in the earth is going to rise up, and it's going to be transformed into a new body. But that's not reincarnation. That's the rapture of the church. So you, can you believe that they thought that reincarnation was a possibility? Look at this. They also said uh, for, um, that uh, reincarnation was a possibility after they died. Meanwhile, only 33%, only 33% of those who have a biblical worldview said that they believe that human beings are born with a sinful nature and can only be saved from the consequences of sin by Jesus Christ. Only 33% of those adults who profess to have a biblical worldview were, were said that, that we are born in sin and we need Jesus to be saved. Now, guys, I'm telling you, that's sad. And that's why I've been, I'm, I'm hounding on, I'm hounding and I'm pounding uh, on us to make a commitment to change. Because here's what I know. God is doing some radically different things in this ministry. And if you're not careful, when God says, move according to my word, you're going to say, uh-uh, this is the way I've always been. When God says, move according to my word, you say, uh-uh, I ain't used to that. When God says, move and go over here, you say, oh, no, 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 my family never did that. Are y'all with me? And then you, if, if you're not careful, you will allow your, 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 uh, the things that have been built up over the years to, to, to snuff out God's word. Jesus said this, made this statement one time. He said that in talking about the Pharisees and, and how they held on to the tenets of the law and whatever. And he said, this, he, says, he says, your traditions have made the word of God of none effect. That's what the KJV says. Your traditions have made the word of God not have the ability to do what it has the ability to do, but, but, but for your tradition, but, but for the stuff you've been hanging on to and refuse to let go because it's buried on the inside. We're going to talk about that in just a little bit, okay? So I got to move, y'all. Everybody say move, Pastor. Move, Pastor. Say, move, say finish it, Pastor. Finish okay, well, y'all leave me alone. Then. I'm going to finish it. All right. Now, if you got your Bibles, guys, let's go to 1 Peter chapter number 1. And we're going to go back to uh, look at verse number 13. Now, again, on last week, we finished, we, we talked about the three stages of uh, developing the mind of Christ. Hopefully, you got to, you, your new notes out. I kind of got it at the last minute. But we talked about setting your mind, right? Three stages. Set your mind. Uh, set your mind. If, you, if we're going to, uh, 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 if we're going to uh, commit to change, it has to start with us first and foremost setting our mind. Colossians 3 and 1, I believe, says, if you then be risen with Christ, seek those things which are above. And then I'm paraphrasing. Then set your affection on things above and not on things on earth. So in other words, when I set my mind, that means that I got to focus my attention on the heavenly things. I got to focus my attention on God's word. All right. So I got to set it. Setting involves, that's the beginning part of the process of transformation. You got to, first of all, change your thinking. All right. Real quickly, 
I got to show it to you. Go back to Romans 12 with the right. Go, go to Romans 12, and I know I'm skipping, and I know I'm excited because uh, I'm going to finish today. Romans 12, verse 1 and 2 from the New Living Translation. Romans 12, verse 1 and 2 from the NLT. Watch this, guys. Because until we start thinking differently, and that's the way God changes us by, by changing the way we think, until we start thinking differently, we won't act differently. All right? And guys, I don't think we do enough self-evaluation to understand what's affecting the way we think about certain things. And God is saying, if I'm going to change, if you're going to be my agents for change in this, in this decadent world that we live in, you're going to have to change the way you think about life. Text says, Pastor Paul writing to the saints at Rome says what? And so, dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you to give your bodies to God because of all he's done for you. Let them, your bodies, be a living and holy sacrifice, the kind he will find acceptable. This is truly the way to worship him. Look at verse number two. It says what? Don't copy the behavior and customs of this world. Watch this. Don't miss this. This next part of the sentence says what? It's a but. But is a what? Conjunction. Conjunction, junction. What's your function? Hooking up. Now, see, young folks are like, what are they talking about? <laughs> How many of you past 40 remember those cartoons on Saturday morning? Schoolhouse Rock? They would make songs that, to get you to learn. But a, con- a conjunction connects two phrases. It says, don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but I'm going to connect it. Let God transform you into a new person. How? 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 How's he going to do it? By changing the way you think. All right. And all of us, if we if we're honest about it, got some th- stinking thinking somewhere along the line. There's some stuff that needs to be changed because we've been influenced by a whole lot of stuff. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. So first thing we said, set your mind. All right. Set it. Second thing we said is renew your mind. We got to renew our, renew our mind. Again, the growing stage, uh, growth and newness. When you're growing, guys, something ought to be changing. If you're growing, something should be changing. If you're growing, somebody who's in relationship with you should be able to see some difference in you. If you've been saved five years or ten years and you're still the exact same way you were when you first came to Jesus Christ, something is wrong. Growth equals newness. Growth equals change. And if there is no change, if you're talking the same way, acting the same way, behaving the same way, doing the same things, and nothing different has transpired in your life, then then something is wrong. We got to be renewed. Everybody say renew, renew, renew. So renew your mind. And the third thing we said was gird up your mind. And let's go back to 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 13. We got to be prepared for action. God is trying to get all of us prepared for action. Gird it up. Remember I told you they, that, that back in those days, the word term gird, gird had to do with uh, taking that long flowing robe because you can't run, you can't fight if, if something is obstructing your, your, your footwork. How many of y'all remember Cassius Clay and Muhammad Ali? Uh, one, one of the world's greatest boxers. And Cassius Clay had some, some awesome footwork in the ring, right? Uh, but he didn't have anything hindering him from, from moving, weaving, and bobbing. There was one time, he, who was that guy he, he boxed and he did the rope-a-dope? Danny, remember the rope-a-dope? He stood on the rope and let the guy tie himself out. That was his strategy to win. But never mind, never mind. Yeah, yeah. But anyhow, his footwork. 
He was not hindered, so they would take those forward robes and pull them up and stick them in that belt. They would gird up, okay, that robe in the same way so it could prepare them for battle. And what God is saying, I need believers to gird up their minds. I've been telling you for the last six, seven months or so, even longer, that we've allowed other outside influences. And, and many, many, many believers are being, some of y'all are being discipled by Fox News and Fox and MSNBC News and CNBC and CNN and, and whatever else is out there. And don't let that be your discipling model. Hello? The church has lost its way by listening to those outside influences and we fail to let the word of God be the, the, the viewpoint by which we see life. Are you listening to me? Your favorite radio talk show host, what is he saying? And does that color your, your outlook on life or does the Bible color it? That's what I want to know. Because when we, when we get into the word of God, if we're going to be girded up, we can't be discipled by news. That's out there. We got to be discipled by word. Because in the beginning was the word. The word was with God. The word became, the word was God. The word became flesh and dwelt among men. All right, and that word was Jesus Christ. All right. So now if we're gonna if we're gonna if we're gonna follow God, we're gonna please God, we gotta get to that point. So now, uh, so first Peter chapter one, verse 13, and look at that right quick. So we gotta get prepared for action. I think my next series, as a matter of fact, my next series is gonna be, Are you ready to fight? So Jay, get some boxing gloves or something, however you want to fix it up. But but the next series is gonna be, Are you ready to fight? We're gonna go through the book of Jude. And Jude talks about contending for the faith. Some of y'all ain't ready to fight. All right? And see, listen, we're in an age now where we got to fight. You got to fight for your faith. I mean, when you you stand on truth now, you're going to be called everything but a child of God. You're going to be called intolerant. You're going to be called insensitive. You you may even be called uh, whatever, homophobic. You may be called whatever. But we're going to love people, but we're going to speak truth. I love you, but if you're not standing on truth, I can't go with you. Don't mean I don't love you. I just can't go with you because the word of God is going to direct my thinking. Rightly divided, properly exegeted, okay? We're going we're to go to the word of God. Watch the text here. Let's go. Got to move. So prepare your minds for action and exercise self-control. It says, put all your hope in the gracious salvation that will come to you when Jesus Christ is revealed to the world. So prepare your minds for action and exercise self-control. Put all your hope in the grace of salvation that will come to you when Jesus Christ is revealed to the word. So let's, let's, let's go go to Philippians 3rd chapter one right quick. So we got to set it, we got to renew it, and we got to gird up our minds. But we've been empowered to do so. We've been empowered to change. Look what Philippians, the third chapter says. Hallelujah. Are y'all still tracking with me today? Everybody say it. I got to lose my mind and gain the mind of Christ. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Got to gain the mind of Christ. Got to gain the mind of Christ. Watch this, watch this. Paul says this. I want to know Christ and experience the mighty power that raised him from the dead. I want to suffer with him sharing in his death. Can we read that out loud again on purpose? Read it again. It says what? I want to know Christ and experience the mighty power 
that raised him from the dead, I want to suffer with him, sharing in his death. Let's go to the King James Version of that very same passage of Scripture, and let's read it from the KJV. I love the way it reads. Talking about resurrection power and what resurrection power does for us. Hallelujah. Philippians 3, uh, verse number 10. Glory to God. Thank you, Jesus. It says, Paul says, that I may know him and the power of his what? Resurrection and the fellowship of his suffering being made conformable unto his death. So the Bible, guys, in here, when we look at this, the Bible describes resurrection power as the power of the number one, cancel our past. Resurrection power has the ability and the fortitude to cancel your past. All right, now, guys, when I say cancel your past, I don't mean that your past never happened. I just mean that once you come to Christ and you receive resurrection power, your past no longer has a hold on you unless you let it. Okay? Unless you let it. There are some folks who are, who, who are saved, but they can't go forward for looking backwards. I've heard this illustrated this way, and you probably heard the same illustration. That front windshield is, what, 15 times bigger than that rearview mirror because you're supposed to be looking forward more, more than you are looking backwards. How many of y'all drive looking backwards? Looking in the rearview mirror? All y'all, how many, yeah, you probably have a lot of wrecks. All right? We're, we're to drive going forward and not looking back. When it comes to our walk with the Lord, guys, we got to be progressive. We can't stand still. You know, there are many churches in America, and, and it's sad to say, but churches are closing all the time. And the reason why a lot of them close is because if they, if they refuse to change. I told you before, we don't change the message. It's Jesus Christ, him crucified on Calvary's hill, he hung, bled, and died and resurrected from the grave with all power and heaven up in his hand. That's how I get saved. The message doesn't change, but the method has to. You can't reach a generation today like you did in 1965 or 1970 or even 2000. The message doesn't change, but the method has to change. And there have been churches that soon as they said, we don't want that, we don't like that, and we're going to stay right the way we are. And they get old and they die, literally die out. It's sad because they don't want to change. And y'all know how hard it is to change, isn't it? Have you ever tried to change your diet? Can I, can I, can I talk about Doyle Adams? Have you ever tried to change your diet? Let me see some hands raised. Have you ever tried to change your diet and you said you were going to eat better after going to the doctor and getting your checkup? You said, you said, I said you said you were going to eat better. Right? And you did good for about two or three days. And then the old way started coming back up. We're gonna, listen, guys, that's something that we got to battle in this transforming our mind. So many churches refuse to change. And guys, when you think about it, Jesus Christ came to fulfill the law. And, and those who came up under Judaism missed it because they, they, he was doing something different. Are you with me? They, they couldn't rationalize them in their mind, the overwhelming majority of them. How is it that the Messiah that we've been looking for died a, 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 a thief's death on the cross? They couldn't, they couldn't fathom that God would take something like that. 
to transform us. But I like it because God did it that way because the Bible tells us God, God, God chose the foolish things of this world to do what? To confound the wise. God does stuff in ways that we can't even think of. We wouldn't even thought of if we had, if we had a thousand years to think of it. He does stuff in different ways to transform people's lives, and, and he does it in such a way that we wouldn't even think about it. And the one, one reason why God does it is so that no flesh can glory in his presence. God will take foolish stuff and then just make a mockery out of those who think that they're wise. And that's what he did. He chose, the Bible says, the foolishness of preaching to get men saved. Now, think about, think about this for a second. You're sitting here coming and listening to me. I ain't nobody special. I grew up right across the street over there in Paul and Moses Adams' house. I went to school over in Louisiana Tech, played a little college football level over there and, and, and was in banking for 17 years, financing churches and doing all that. But I ain't nobody special. I'm just a country boy from Benton, Louisiana. And here you are from, from wherever y'all are. Some of y'all, how many of y'all are from Louisiana originally? How many of y'all from outside the state? We got y'all from outside the state. So y'all are here in Benton, Louisiana, listening to me. Now, who's smart? <laughs> I ain't nobody special, but God chose the foolishness of preaching to get men saved. Because God, God don't want anybody trying to take his glory. All right? So, so, so resurrection power has the ability to cancel our past. So when it, when it say cancel the past, that means that we don't allow our past to hold us back. Resurrection power is that power that, 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 to, to cancel our failures, our mistakes, our sins, and our regrets. And listen to me very carefully when I say, again, when I say cancel, I'm not talking about denying that the past ever happened. Cancel means to eliminate, to neutralize, or to offset something. So, so that now... If I were like the Apostle Paul, the Apostle Paul, do y'all, real, do y'all realize that Paul actually uh, was complicit in the, in the murder of Stephen? He sat by and, sat, sat by and go, go check me out in the book of Acts. He held the coats of those who stoned Stephen to death. Paul, whose name used to be Saul, would, would, would go around rounding up Christians and throwing them in jail. And many of those Christians faced martyrdom uh, they, were, they were killed, crucified because of their stand for Christ. And Paul, Saul, was one of the ones who was instrumental in rounding them up. But here we are reading from a book that he wrote under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. God can take a murderer. God can take a former adulterer. God can take a former racist. Which, meant, which we, guys, we're getting ready to do an awesome study on the multi-ethnic church. In case you hadn't noticed, something stuff's changing around here. And I thank God that it's changing because Jesus is on the move. Are y'all listening to me? Now, again, you, you got to watch yourself because if you, if you stuck on your old way of thinking, you start like, hmm, pastor, I like our church the way it was. Huh? What I want to know is, are you going to have a biblical worldview or are you going to have your own Johnson family worldview? Some of y'all still want to hang on to the Johnson family worldview. I'm not, I'm not, nobody, I'm not talking about the Johnson party. But the, 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 in case you don't, I don't want to offend anybody. Not the Johnson family because the Johnson family don't have a problem, I don't believe. But let's say the Ugo Way family. Nobody named Ugo Way in here, right? 
So the Ugoway family thought this way, but God says, that ain't my way. I don't want y'all to be a part of that, 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 that 51% who said they had a biblical worldview, but when you start actually asking questions, when they answered the question, honestly, it was revealed that they really didn't have a biblical worldview. It's easy for you to say, well, I love everybody until you have to be in a relationship with somebody who's unlovable. Then I'm going to really see if you love them. It's easy to say I love everybody until somebody who don't look like you steps into your space. Now, I'm going to really see, do you really love everybody? Because it's easy to say that. You say you don't see color until your... You say you don't see color until uh, your son wants to marry somebody that don't look like him. Uh-oh. Oh, Lord Jesus. See, we're going to get to the root of the matter. We're going to get to the heart of it. Either you're going to go with God or you're going to go your own way. And I'm telling you, I choose to go with God. I choose to let the Bible be the guide for my life. Now, I don't know what you're going to do because some of y'all are trying to play with God. You want to go with God, but then you want to hold on to your old way of thinking. God said, uh-uh-uh, you can't move forward. Okay. All right. Everybody say, hold his mule. All right. All right. Cancel our past. Resurrection power. Not only that, but go, go with me to Colossians, the second chapter, verse 13 and 14. Watch this record. I got to move you. I got a lot of scripture to cover. Will y'all let me roll? Will y'all roll with me today? Because I told y'all I was going to finish. And sometimes I get too excited. When I get too excited, I, I kind of, you know, go off on those rabbit chairs. But when I go off on a rabbit chair, I'm trying to kill something. <laughs> See, I think it's okay to go on a rabbit chair as long as you kill something. Don't go down the rabbit trail and come back empty-handed. So I'm trying to kill some ways of thinking. I'm trying to prepare you for what God is trying to do in this body. Okay? So we all got to be ready. Ever said we all got to be ready. Look at the neighbor, neighbor. Are you ready? Say, can you handle it? All right, all right. Colossians the second. Don't you say no. Well, no, no. no listen, I, I, seriousness. In all seriousness, I know some of y'all ain't ready. So that's why we're going to teach to get you ready. See, I always believe in teaching and then teaching, then transformation will come if you are a student of the word and you'll take the word of God as it is the word of God, not Doyle Adams' word, but the word of God, and that, let that word transform your thinking. Because at some point in time, the challenge is going to come. Either you're going to do life your way or you're going to decide God's way is better than your way. Okay? I, I'm going to tell you this. I, I share this with y'all, and y'all heard me share this when we did, uh, last year we did, um, um, this, uh, we did a talk series called Racism in the Church. And, and my good friend, Brother Scott, was one of the, the panelists on that. And he, he, some, something moved in his heart. I want something God moved in his heart. And he, he called me and we asked about doing a prayer vigil after all of the unrest that's going on in the nation. Because I believe the church needs to speak to life issues, not from a social standpoint, but from a theological standpoint. See, theologically, when you, when, you, when you have solid biblical theology, you, can, you have to be blind, dumb, and stupid. And I know I'm, don't get mad, I didn't call you stupid, but you got to be blind, dumb, and stupid to not see that the early church had to deal with racism in a big way, Jew and Gentile. Do you not realize how, how tenuous that relationship was? 
But the Bible says Jesus Christ died to bring Jew and Gentile together into one body. And when you start studying the scripture, you're going to see, man, this was an issue, but the gospel overcame it. They were first called Christians at Antioch, and the Antioch church was a multi-ethnic church. Okay, I, 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 I see I've gotten a little too excited. And, and, and we got to study the Bible, okay? We're going to study the Word of God. Let the Word of God unpack. So, so don't call Doyle Adams a lie. You got to call the Word a lie. And the Word ain't a lie because God's Word is true. Heaven and earth may pass away, but His Word is going to stand, and we're going to stand on His Word. Amen? All right. Can we move? All right. Here we go. Colossians chapter 2. Boy, I must be ready for vacation. Lord Jesus. <laughs> watch, watch what Paul says here. He says, You were dead. Because of your sins and because your sinful nature was not yet cut away, then God made you alive with Christ for he forgave all our sins. Are you still there with me? Let's keep moving. It says what? Uh, he canceled the record of the charges against us and took it away by nailing it to the cross. Look at what it says. He canceled the record of the charges against How many of y'all got some charges against you? I mean, I, I know you. I know they've been wiped away now. But 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 if 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 Jesus hadn't came, how many of y'all would still have some charges against you? Don't let me go back to your college days. Don't don't let me go ask that your your roommate in college. You got some charges against you, some stuff that was not God that was not right. And you've been saved. Some of you, you know, we've been saved. For, some of us got some charges from last week. Some of y'all got some charges from this morning. All right? How many of y'all got some charges? Say, thank God that he canceled the record of charges against me and took it away by nailing it to the cross. So he canceled our past. Next thing he does, resurrection power does, it conquers our problems. It conquers our problems. All right? It conquers, it, it will conquer, conquer our problems. Everybody's got a problem, right? Everybody's got a problem. Can we agree on that fact? It's part of living in the fallen world, guys. The real problem is what we do with our problems. Invariably, we try to solve them with our own power. How do we know when we're trying to solve our problems with our own strength? Well, you know, a lot of times we get frustrated, we get tired, we get all, all bent, you know, bent out of shape. Uh, God wants us to stop trying and start trusting him. Go to Romans, the 8th chapter. Look at this right quick, Romans chapter 8, and we're going to look at verse number 35. Commitment to change. We got to lose our minds because God wants to do some awesome work through the body of believers here at EBC. We're nobody special. We just, we just, I just want us to be a yielded church. I want us to become, as we say every Sunday, disciple believers who consistently walk in the ways of God and have kingdom impact in our homes, schools, jobs, and the community at large. We want to reflect our faith and lead others into a personal relationship with the Savior. Jesus Christ, that's what we're striving to become or to be. Are you with me today? Look at what Paul says. Can anything ever separate us from Christ's love? Does it mean he no longer loves us if we have, if we have trouble or calamity or are persecuted or hungry or destitute or in danger or threatened with death? Uh, text says the next verse. Watch this. As the scriptures say, for, you, for your sake we are killed every day. We are being slaughtered like sheep. 37. Watch this, guys. No, despite all these things, overwhelming victory is ours through Christ who loved us. Guys, I'm going to tell you, life will throw you some curveballs. 
You're going to have some challenges, whether it's financial, health challenges, relationship challenges, on down the line. Challenges are going to come your way. But stand on the solid rock of Christ Jesus. Stand on the word of God. Don't, I don't care what it looks like. I don't care what it smells like. I don't care who said what. You stand on God's word. I found God's word to be true and reliable. How do you know, Pastor? Because I've seen it work in my life. You can't tell me what it can't do because I've seen it work in my life. So, so don't come tell me what I don't know about the Bible. I know because I've stood on the word of God. And it's helped me to be all who God has made me to be today. God's power will also change our personality. Resurrection power enables us to cancel our past and conquer our problems, but it's not all, all it, does. it also helps us to change our personality. The Apostle Paul became a lover of Christians after previously being a persecutor of Christians. Now, Paul, Paul was a very straightforward, straight-shooting apostle, preacher. Paul said, Paul even admitted, he said, I'm not as eloquent as Apollo. Apollo's man, Apollo's can, he can, he can get up and he can, he can get it. He can say it. He, he's eloquent in his word. He may, he may use all kinds of vernacular. Paul just will tell you, you're wrong. Stop looking at that woman. He was kind of straightforward. But that was his personality bent, but he did it in love. Uh, uh, and so, but, but what really changed about him was he went from persecuting the church to being a promoter of the church, of the Lord Jesus Christ. Because God is at work in us, guys. Look at Ephesians, the third chapter, verse number 20. See, change, many of us haven't experienced the change that, we, that we, God is looking for in our life because we've been trying to do it on our own. We've been trying to muster up the strength, and we were never designed to walk this Christian walk by ourselves. Jesus even told his disciples that it's need for me to go because the, the comforter is going to come, the Holy Spirit, who will empower you to live this life. All right? Watch what he says here. As a matter of fact, let's, let's go to the New King James Version of this passage. I love the way the KJV reads on this. Ephesians, the third chapter, verse number 20. Glory to God. Now, let's read, now unto him that is able to do what? To do exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think. What? According to the power that does what? That worketh in us. Paul is talking to the saints at Ephesus. He says, now unto, unto him that is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we can ask or think according to the power that works in us. So the power that work is working in us will enable us to do stuff that we don't even think we can do. You don't even think you can, you, you can still go over to your mother-in-law's house and, and, and love on her because she's been talking about your cooking for 20 years. <laughs> but when, you, when you're in your word, don't try to do it on your own strength. The power of God working in you. There is stuff that you're going to be able to do when you trust God and depend on the Holy Spirit that you cannot do on your own. And you were never designed to do it on your own. That's why many of us get frustrated. Developing the mind of Christ will be costly, yet its value far outweighs any cost that may be required. Go to Acts, the fifth chapter, right quick. God is at work in us. Acts, the fifth chapter, and um, we're going to take a look at a couple of passages here. Watch this. So, so we got to develop the mind of Christ. Acts, the fifth chapter. Let's start at verse, let's start at verse number 17. I'm going to roll through it real quick, but I need y'all to stay with me, okay? Because listen to the story that's happening. Listen to what's happening in the early church. 
And the early church guys, you know, the, the Bible describes the early church as uh, a group that was instrumental in turning the world upside down. They were turning the world upside down. Now, guys, I'm going to be honest with you. The church in America uh, probably wouldn't be described as a group that's turning the world upside down. We got to be careful that we are not Americanized versus being kingdom. I know it's not a word, but kingdomized. It's not a word. I just made it up. So just say that's doorology. Say that's doorology. See, we got to look at life through kingdom lenses. You know what Jesus says when the disciples asked him, teach us how to pray. One of the things he said was, you pray this, thy kingdom come, thy will be done in earth as it what? Is in heaven. Now watch this, guys. Many of y'all have read Revelation, I think it's around the seventh chapter, where he talks about how for, uh, among every tribe and nation and tongue, we're going to be sitting around the throne of God just worshiping the Savior all the day long. So now, if, if, if that's happening in heaven, go to Revelation. I mean, check me out, Revelation 7 or Revelation 5. It talks about the fact that, 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 that they're, they're of, of every tribe, every tongue, every nation, they're there together worshiping God. They're there together in heaven worshiping God, but we're down here on earth saying, I can't do that. And we blame it on culture, but guys, it's deeper than culture. Our minds got to be changed. I told y'all, I, 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 and, and I told y'all about the time uh, I started off by saying, Scott uh, uh, said, uh, something's got to change. And we had the prayer meeting. Uh, and then that prayer meeting led to a Bible study. And that Bible study led to the cultivation of relationships. And cultivating of relationships led to a union in doing ministry together. All right? The process. It's about building relationships. Okay? And so, so when you build a relationship with people, you cease to see them from the exterior, but you start looking at them from the interior. Can I get a witness? That, that, that Bible study group that I went to, and I told you, uh, my, my neighbor invited me to, and a dear friend of mine, we talk about all kinds of stuff. He's, he's about 78 years old, 78-year-old white fellow. And he asked, me, he asked me to come to the Bible study, and I shared some things with him, and I asked the question. I keep repeating it because we've got to get to the heart of the matter. And this happens in black churches, and it happens in white churches. But, and again, I, I even hate to, hesitate to use those terms because we've got to get past just seeing people. It, it, the, the amount of... of, of productivity and ministry work that has been hindered because we are so silly in the way we look at life. Yeah. It's, it's asinine. we got to start looking at it from a kingdom perspective. But, but, I, but I asked this question, uh, I'm just saying it for, as a point of reference. I asked him, I said, what would happen with your church if it grew by 40% and all that 40% growth was African Americans coming into your church? The guy next to me did not hesitate. He did not blink. He said people would start to leave. And when he said that, I said, you're exactly right. The same thing happens when people move in neighborhoods. They leave. Why? I want to know the why behind the what. See, we don't like to deal with the why behind the what, so we come up with all kinds of reasons as to why. It's kind of flowery stuff. Well, you know, it's just different. Now, you know, we got to learn how to do life from a kingdom perspective. And I told him, I said, until you deal with that, until you're honest about it, whatever sin that percolating, and, and, and guys, I'm going to tell you, racism is a sin, just like adultery is a sin, just like abortion is a sin. 
And we talk about all those kind of sins. So we got we got to talk about it all because there are black racists and there are white racists. I know you you listen to some folks say blacks can't be racist, blacks can, but whites can too. And the white evangelical church, for the most part, going back to slavery, was complicit. But guys, that's the past. We're in a new day now. Look around. Look around. God, what God is saying is, is that I'm going to transform the mind of the church. I don't care what happened back then, but get into my word and let's see what the word of God says today. And let's begin to go with God. Amen. Now, I hope that didn't make anybody uncomfortable, but I, I believe in speaking the truth because until we are truthful, we can't advance the kingdom principles. Are y'all with me? So I thank God for what he's doing. Now, you may be a little hesitant, but I'm not. <laughs> Because God showed me this a long time ago. I tell you, I, y'all been hearing me say this a long time ago. I said, for some reason, God, God told me, so you're going to be the bridge. Yeah. Not me and myself, but I mean, the ministry that we, he entrusted us to lead. He said, you're going to be the bridge. I don't know why he chose me, uh, but I just, I, I love people. And, and, and again, I love people because God loves people. And I can't love God. I can't truly be in love with God if I hate people. Amen. I don't care what you say. Jesus even made it. You, you can't, you can't, how can you love God whom you've never seen? Huh? And then hate, hate your brother who you see every day. We're going to do it God's way. And I thank God for liberty. I thank God for liberty. Because see, I, listen, I, I told y'all before, I, I'm going to preach the truth. Because that's, that's all I know. Because God's going to hold me accountable. I am not going to go before the beam of judgment to Christ and get before uh, Christ, and then he said, well, how come you didn't tell the people the truth? Well, you know, I was scared they were going to leave. Oh, I was scared they were going to stop giving money. Or, or, you know, I was scared they were going to call a meeting and find Baby, you find me. I told you, I got skills. And again, when I say that, this church is not, this church is not that kind of church. But I got skills. I, I can go back and start banking again. You need a loan? So, so what, what I'm saying, you got to have liberty. And I understand some pastors, uh, because of where they are, feel, feel like they don't have the liberty. But I would, I would submit to you is, is, is you speak truth. And if people run you off for speaking truth, God's got your back. And God will uphold you with his right hand. So speak truth. Say, speak what the word of God says. And when we start... Guys, I'm telling you, when you start reading Galatians and Ephesians, you have to, you have to pay somebody to misunderstand what the Bible was saying. Yes. Jesus died to bring us together into one body. And man, I'm excited that God is going to lead us to do it the right way. Okay? Right. So the, high priest and the, and the high priest and his officials who were Sadducees were filled with jealousy. Watch this. They arrested the apostles and put them in public jail. But an angel of the Lord came at night, opened the gates of the jail, and brought them out. Then he told them, watch this. He said, go to the temple and give the people this message of life. So at daybreak, the apostles entered the temple as they were told and immediately began teaching. Now, why were they in jail in the first place? For teaching. <laughs> when the high priest and his officials arrived, they convened the high council, the full assembly of the elders of Israel. Then they sent for the apostles to be brought from the jail for trial. They were nailed up. But when the temple guards went to, to the jail, the men were gone, so they returned to the council and reported. The jail was securely locked with the guards standing outside, but when we opened the gates, no one was there. When the captain of the temple guard and the leading priest heard this, they were perplexed, wondering where, would it, where, it, where it would all end. 
Then someone arrived with startling news. The men you put in jail are standing in the temple teaching the people. The captain went to this temple, went to his temple guards and arrested the apostles, but without violence, for they were afraid the people would stone them. Then they brought the apostles before the high council where the high priest confronted them. I'm talking about mindset. I'm talking about looking at life with a biblical worldview. Watch this. We gave you strict orders never again to teach in this man's name. Instead, you have filled all Jerusalem with your teaching about him, and you want to make us responsible for his death. But Peter and the apostles replied, we must obey God rather than any human authority. Next verse, come on, let's go. It says, the God of our ancestors raised Jesus from the dead after you killed him by hanging him on the cross. Then God put him in the place of honor at his right hand as prince and savior. He did this so the people of Israel would repent of their sins and be forgiven. Watch the text. We are witness of these things and so is the Holy Spirit who is given by God to those who obey him. When they heard this, the high council was furious and decided to kill him. But watch the text says, but one member, a Pharisee named Gamaliel, who was an expert in religious law, respected by all the people, stood up and ordered that men, that the men be sent outside the council chamber for a while. Now watch this. Then he said to his colleagues, men of Israel, take care of what you are planning to do to these men. Watch this. Some time ago, there was that fellow, uh, Thetis, who pretended to be someone great. <laughs> About 400 others joined him, but he was killed and all his followers went their various ways. The whole movement came to nothing. After him, at the time of the census, there was Judas of Galilee. He got people to follow him, but he was killed too, and all his followers were scattered. So my advice is leave these men alone. Let them go. If they are planning and doing these things merely on their own, it's going to be soon overthrown. It's going to come to nothing. But watch this. But if it's from God, hello, church family. If it's from God, you will not be able to overthrow them. You may even find yourself fighting against God. I'm going to tell you right now, there's a lot of folks sitting up in churches that are fighting against God. You better make sure you're not one who's fighting against God. Look at the next verse. Watch this. The others accepted his advice. They called in the apostles and had them flogged. They beat them, y'all. <laughs> then they ordered them never again to speak in the name of Jesus, and they let them go. Now watch what happened. The apostle left the high council rejoicing that God had counted them worthy to suffer disgrace for the name of Jesus. How many of y'all are willing to suffer disgrace for the name of Jesus? How many of y'all willing to be talked about? How many of y'all willing, willing to be scorned? How many of y'all ever had people move away from you because you stood for righteousness and truth? Yeah, it's going to happen, guys. The apostle left the high council rejoicing that God had counted them worthy to suffer disgrace for the name of Jesus. Watch this next verse. Watch this. And every day in the temple and from house to house, what do they do? They continue to teach and preach this message. Jesus is Messiah. I thought they told him, I thought they beat him and told him don't teach. <laughs> what did they do? They went right back to obeying God. And I'm going to tell you guys, this is the kind of mentality it's going to take in these last and evil days. You know, Paul told Timothy, he says, there's coming a time, and I believe we're living in the day, a time period where men will not endure sound doctrine. But they're going to heap to themselves teachers having itching ears. They, they, want, they want people to preach and teach what they want to hear. But God is saying it's time for us to stand on truth, okay? All right, so, so if we're going to do that, guys, oh, my goodness. God is at work in us. And so... so uh, so we got to do that. So let's, let's go to my last scripture. I, I got to get out of here. I got to get out of here. 
I'm talking about renewing the spirit of the mind. Go to Ephesians chapter 4, verse 17 through 23. Man, our minds have to change. You know what? what it, some, some, some of us as believers are like, I'm going to use this illustration, but we, we, our minds are like a dirty diaper on a baby. What do you do when it's a dirty diaper? You, you put some pot on the baby and put a new pamp on them or whatever, right? But, but you got to do something before you do that. See, some of, some of y'all are putting new information over an old stinking diaper. See, when the baby, see, when the baby gets uncomfortable because babies cry when they have mess on them, right? And so you got to clean them up. You don't just put a put. You don't just take the old diaper off and put pot on it and then put a new diaper. You got to clean them up first, because if you don't, pretty soon that that smell gonna come through. Then now the not only is the baby uncomfortable, but you're gonna be uncomfortable in that room. Smelling it. Right? Some of us are like that. We still got old ways of thinking, and we're trying to put this new teaching on top of that old way of thinking, and eventually what's going to happen is your, your old way of thinking is going to bleed through. That's why I'm trying to get you to commit to change, changing your mind, losing your mind altogether. Quit saying, well, I'm, I got to hold on to this because I, I just don't know. I don't know, preacher. What you don't know? Do you know what the Bible is true? If you believe that, that's that again, guys, you got to decide. I can't decide for you. You got to believe that. Do you believe that the Bible is God's revealed word? Now, if, if you don't believe that, guys, you're gonna have problems at this church. I'm here to tell you right now, because I'm gonna go right by here, line upon line, precept upon precept. Because I've I've seen what the word of God has done in my life. I'm not telling you what somebody told me. I know what it's done. So you got to decide. Do you believe God's word? Because, but many of us have failed to change because we still, we still like that dirty diaper. We just, all we did was pull the old one off and left the stink on and put some powder on top of it. And then now we put new diapers out on top of it and that smell just keeps coming through. I know it's a little bit gross, but just, it got your attention, didn't it? Quit, quit hanging on to the old and we got to eliminate the old that doesn't line up with God's word and then bring in the, the new word of God, the revealed word of God, and let that direct our thinking. Watch this, watch this. With the Lord's authority, I say this, live no longer as the Gentiles do, for they are hopelessly confused. Paul was writing to a Gentile church, and he says, live no longer as the Gentiles do. Now watch this. He's writing to a Gentile church, and he tells the Gentile church, live no longer as the Gentiles do. What he's saying is, now, now your ethnicity is now different. In other words, I know you still... Technically, you were born because you were either a Jew or Gentile when you were born. But what he's saying is he's writing to a Gentile church and he tells the Gentile church, no longer live as the other Gentiles do. What he's saying is now you're different now. Your ethnicity does not trump your Christianity. Can I get five people to say amen on that? In other words, quit telling me what you look like on the outside. I want to know what's on the inside. God said that I want to have first place and first authority in every one of y'all's life. So now, 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 my newfound freedom, my newfound relationship with Christ takes precedent over my, my natural upbringing. With the Lord's authority, I say this, live no longer as the Gentiles do, for they are hopelessly confused. Watch this. Their minds are full of darkness. They wander far from the life God gives because they have closed their minds and hardened their hearts against him. He's talking about people who have not made a personal decision to follow Christ. Okay? They have no sense of shame. 
They live for lustful pleasure and eagerly practice every kind of impurity. Watch this. But that isn't what you learned about Christ. Watch this. Since you have heard about Jesus and have learned the truth that comes from him, listen, throw off your old sinful nature and your former way of life, which is corrupted by lust and deception. Watch this. Instead, let the spirit renew your thoughts and your attitude. Okay, if he said, be renewed in the spirit of your mind. Now, when your mind changes, your life changes. Your mind is renewed by taking out the old thoughts and the old attitudes, removing the old spirit of that mind and gaining a new way of thinking. When this happens, the spirit of your mind is transformed and you enter into new life. And guys, we got to do that. We got to do that. I'm going to stop here. But I need y'all to hear me. Sometimes the problem ain't everybody else. It's you. It's me. It's our way of thinking. You move from job to job and nothing seems to change. It's always somebody else's problem. And you hadn't realized maybe it's the way I'm looking and approaching this thing. Some people do marriages that way. There's a high likelihood and probability if you go into your second or third marriage, you're going to get a divorce in a second or third marriage even quicker than you did the first marriage. Because what happens is people leave the first one, go into the second one, and they hadn't changed the way they think about marriage. They haven't studied God's word on marriage. So, guys, we've got to be renewing the spirit of our mind. If we're going to change, our thinking has to change. And we read in Romans, the 12th chapter, that God changes our behavior by changing the way we think. So are you ready to change your thinking? Or are you going to hold on to the old? I smell some old. I smell some old stinking thinking out there. And God said, we got to clean you up. Go get some diaper wipes. Go get some baby powder. Go, whatever you use to clean the baby's bottom, let's go get it. We got we to gotta clean some thinking up. And the way we do that is with the word of God. Let the word of God purify your thoughts. And I promise you, if you do that, you're going to please God. Are y'all ready to change? I got two amens. Are you ready to change? Are you ready to follow God totally and completely? Are you, are you ready to stop putting him in the pocket? So, okay, God, I, I'm with you over here. Talk to me about my finances. Talk to me about this. Don't talk to me about marriage. Don't talk to me about this. Don't talk to me about whatever. No, no, God says, I got to have all of you. He's a jealous God. He wants all of you. And I'm here to tell you guys, God is ready to move in the lives of believers who are willing to commit to change. Lose your mind and gain the mind of Christ. Every head, body, right, close.